Hello and welcome into your favorite football podcast. I'm James, and alongside me tonight is Raceland. And Raceland, there is a ton to go over. Um, we're coming off the heels of the NFL draft that took place this past weekend. Um, but let me just go ahead and ask you, I mean, what was your overview of the draft? I mean, did you think it was entertaining? Did you like, you know, the draft? Um, because, you know, I always compare it to Christmas morning and I, I don't know about you, but I was pretty entertained and excited, but pretty much the whole three days of the draft, um, I was either glued to the television to watch it or always constantly on the uh, ESPN app, um, refreshing even out of, you know, I, I was at a wedding Saturday, but you know, in between little periods of time where I was doing nothing, I was, you know, scrolling and refreshing, but I mean, what did you think? I mean, did you think it was, um. You know, the hype, the draft's always hyped up. So, I mean, what did you think? Were you entertained by it, or what do you think the, the hype was a little bit too much for this year's NFL draft? Um, I'm going to say the hype was a bit maybe too much for this year's draft, um, mainly because there wasn't that major one guy that teams are looking at talking about maybe trying to trade up to get, uh, like there was, like there has been the past couple of years. Like, obviously, last year was Trevor Lawrence. Uh, it, I don't want to say it was underwhelming because it was definitely interesting, especially once you got into the later half of the, or maybe well, hell, even within the, after the 10th pick, you started seeing a bunch of these trades. And so that definitely made it interesting. Um, Friday night, uh, night two was, was okay, I, I suppose. And then day three is day three. I watched part of the fourth round and then just had it on in the background and listened to whoever when I would see like the Cardinals pick the Browns, Jaguars, I, I'd look up from what I was doing and pay attention to see who they drafted and be like, okay, do I know this guy? Do I not know this guy? All in all, I'd give I'd give draft weekend to B plus. Yeah, I do too. I, I don't think it was an A plus like last year's or the year before was, but I do think I think the most intriguing storyline really was the quarterbacks. Look, I know Going into the draft, there wasn't a lot of hype behind the quarterbacks. You know, this is probably one of the you know one of the most least ex- intriguing quarterback classes as of late. Um, and we all talked about it going in, but seeing how far they fell, I don't think anyone really uh, expected that. But we'll get into that kind of stuff later. But Rachel, let me go ahead and ask you. I mean, before we get into the winners and losers of the draft, what were the surprises of the draft for you? I mean, what what kind of blew your mind? Whether it be for the first day second day, or even the third day, if there was anything that just blew your mind. I mean, tell us, I mean, share it to us. I mean, what really caught your eye um, the, throughout the NFL draft? Well, I'd say uh, the, the first one, and I'm sure it blew a lot of people's minds, was um, the Texans taking Derek Stingley at three, and then the Jets taking Sauce Gardner at four. That was pretty interesting, especially to see Stingley go before Sauce Gardner. I mean, I think he's a better corner in my opinion. But to see especially Stingley go that early, because I know a lot of um, analysts and mock people who did mock drafts, they had had Stingley going after Sauce. And so to see him go before him was definitely a surprise. Uh, Like I said, Earlier in the intro, you know, the the trades and whatnot that just kept rolling and rolling and rolling, uh, especially throughout the first round. That that really blew my mind because I'm like, man, we haven't seen this monumental of trade-wise in quite a while, which just shows me, like, it, it, this, this draft isn't as, wasn't as depressing 
I guess, as a lot of people could consider it, because after the first 10 picks, obviously, is when teams started trading up to go get the guy they wanted. So it, that, and that, that also shows me that maybe some of these guys that went in the back third or back two thirds maybe should have been top 10 picks like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. But it just seemed like that there were, there were so many more needs outside of like receiver um, safeties and even the D linemen that were taken, offensive linemen that were taken from 10 to 20. Cause I mean, you, you and I saw, obviously we all saw that, you know, three receivers go back to back to back. Uh, Drake London being picked before any of the the other three receivers was definitely interesting. And, and then the last one, especially on night one that surprised me, was the fact that Arizona traded for Hollywood Brown. Yeah, I mean, I think those two, I mean, you hit the Hollywood Brown trade. I think that and the, and the A.J. Brown trades were kind of out of left field. I don't think anybody going into the draft night on Thursday night, no. I was expecting either of those to be shopped. Heck, I don't know about you, Ray, but I didn't think any of those two were available. But after the trades happened, a lot of the stuff is coming out, the speculation and the rumors um, that the reporters are coming out with, you know, Hollywood Brown, you know, was unhappy with the way that the Ravens were using them because, you know, they are primarily running offense, especially through Lamar Jackson. And then A.J. Brown, I guess, the contract just, you know, talks like, you know, for the future have kind of just stalemated. So they had no other option, they felt like. Um, but again, Tennessee kind of got, you know, and I mean, it was kind of funny. You and I laughed. I mean, when they traded away A.J. Brown and then they they drafted Traylon Burks, the comparison was A.J. Brown. You and I were like, wait a minute, you traded A.J. Brown yeah, for A.J. Brown. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, I think Traylon Burks with a little bit of the size differential will be able to use more. Um, you know, in a lot of a couple of different ways, but again, um, yeah. AJ Brown was a proven player. Now you're taking a risk with Traylon Burks, who I think will be good, but it's still it's still the unknown. Um, but yeah, those two I trades think, were just kind of surprising because they came out of nowhere. So I I, I like a better comparison um, to for Traylon Burks to be more like a DK Metcalf because uh, he has the size, he has the speed, and uh, I mean, obviously, he can catch really well, uh, especially when it comes to size. Like he's 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 pretty muscular, kind of like DK was coming out uh, two years ago. So I could see the AJ Brown comparison, but I think it's more along the lines of um, DK Metcalf. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I I think he's a little bit shorter than DK. I think I, th I mean Traylon's only like six two ish. I think DK might be a little bit taller than that. Um, I can look I'm not it. sure, but I mean, I know DK. Is, I know DK has uh, quite a bit of height on him. Let's see. I'm looking it up now. Let's see what his height is. Have you uh, seen uh, Traylon Walker's? Six four. Who is Traylon Burks? Uh, DK is. So I thought it was Traylon. I thought Traylon was six two. Let's see. So while you're looking it up, did, have you seen Traylon or not Traylon Burks, but uh, Trevon Walker's? Uh, contract yet? No, I haven't seen him. Uh, yeah, Traylon is six so, two two twenty five. Okay, so yeah, maybe maybe more along the lines. I thought he was taller than that. Um, I guess not. 
But yeah, so per Field Yates of ESPN, Walker is going to sign a four-year deal um, that will see him getting $37.3 million of guaranteed. It also included a signing bonus of $24.3 million. Some may say that's expensive, but going for the rate of players that are picked number one overall, that's definitely uh, on the right track, I guess. I mean, for one, it's first overall. And two, what people have to realize is you're getting a what if he's a premier pass rusher? I know Trayvon Walker is kind of the unknown, right? We don't we know what his his stature is. We know what he's capable of, you know, the you know, we know he's a decent run stopper, at least he was at Georgia. We know his, you know, the the combine times, we know everything. And you love the attributes he brings to the table because then that makes the promise like, hey, maybe this guy can be something. And let's all face it. Trent Balky drafted the guy because of that. Um but there are a lot of you know people coming out saying that they had Trayvon Walker pretty high as well. Um, but again, let's say he does produce. Like, man, what if he comes out and he's a nine-sack guy his rookie year and then 10 sacks the second year? What people have to understand is four years, 36, that's about $9 million a year. So you're getting a pre-miss, premier pass rusher for $9 million a year. That's a heck of a bargain especially if he if he comes out to be what Trent Baalke hopes he is. Because if you look at the premier pass rushers now, man, they're making like 15, 16, even 17 a year, and some even yeah. higher than that. So really, yeah, on the surface, that's pretty high, but it's only $9 million a year. Yeah. Um, do you think that if a, there, there was a, a solid quarterback, um, a guy that could like come in and change the future – uh, of a team, do you think he would have made more than thirty-seven million? Like a quarterback? Yeah, like let's so let's say, let's say, um, let's say, uh, okay, let, let me let me just throw this out there. Let's say next year we get to the point of CJ Stroud is in the draft, and let's say the Texans have the number one overall pick. Do you think he would be worth more than the thirty-seven million that Trevon Walker got? Um. Yeah. I mean. Probably a little bit more. I'm looking. At, I'm actually looking up Trevor Lawrence's contract because that, that's kind of apples to apples. Um, so this is from last year. I'm looking at a MSN. They have a thing from Adam Schefter. Um, Trevor Lawrence signed a four-year deal with a you know the, the fifth-year option um, worth thirty-six point eight million with twenty-four million guaranteed. Um, so I mean, it's kind of along the same lines of what Walker signed. I mean, and the reason I brought up Trevor Lawrence racing was because I mean he was the first overall last year. He was the guy that everyone thought would come in and, and change the franchise. So that's why I picked Trevor Lawrence. Um, it looks like it's pretty pretty similar in the comparison. So, and obviously everyone looks at the number one overall pick being you know this guy has to be the guy. Um, or at least a guy that can really come in and produce. Maybe not. Obviously, you want him to be the, the the best player of the draft, but this year's draft was too hard to to kind of see who was the the true number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, you want to look at these as great picks. Obviously, you get the, the who you think is the best player of the draft. But on the flip side, you also got to think that, especially now with these these size of contracts, let's say Jacksonville has the first overall mm-hmm. pick for the next. And then I'm only bringing up Jacksonville because they've they've run it twice now. I swear uh, back to, to God, Richland, if you say we're having the number one overall no, pick no, again, no. I am kicking your ass. <laughs> well, get, get your uh, ass kicking boots ready because it's uh, it's happened. So let, let's say Jacksonville ends up with the first overall pick for the next 
three, four years, Jesus. you're going to have to pay. No, no, no. Okay, so hear me out. You're going to have to pay Trevor Lawrence. You're going to have to pay Trayvon Walker, getting closer to that time at least. And then you got to think you're, you're also paying three or four other draft first overall draft picks, 37, 38 million. Well, you, first of you're going to run out of you're, you're going to you're going to use a lot of cap room on five guys. You're first not going to have all, enough cap room to 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 build around Trevor Lawrence to build around, and especially now with Kurt getting uh, the the biggest the freaking biggest contract he's ever seen that he'll probably ever see. First of all, if you're picking the first and number one overall for the next five years, like you're indicating in this scenario, for one, there is no Trevor Lawrence to build around because he's going to be shown the door. Um, Trayvon Walker will be a bust. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, in this scenario, if you had the, the first overall for the next five years, which would be unprecedented because no team has ever done it three times in a row, then, yeah, I mean, those guys that you're talking about won't be on the roster because they're going to be shown they can't do it. Now, am I saying Trevor Lawrence is a bust? Absolutely freaking not. I wouldn't bought his jersey and hadn't had my girlfriend buy me the bobblehead for my birthday last year if I thought he was going to be a bust. But... <laughs> What, but in your scenario, Raceland, um, if in your scenario, if that played out to be true, then none of them will be there. Doug Peterson won't be there. Trent Bauke won't be there. Trayvon Walker won't be there. And Lawrence won't be there. You'll be picking whole new guys to hopefully turn around. So, I do see where you're coming from, I do. Um, but let's say, let's say it's not Trevor's fault. Let's say Trevor's producing. But the defense is what isn't what it should be. Like you're, like, let's say you're missing so many key pieces. Like you sign, you, you can go out and sign Tyree Kill. Uh, well, I guess he's not a good uh, uh, example at this point because he's obviously well. The Dolphins I got traded. Let's say you go out and pick up uh, Jarvis Landry. You give Jarvis Landry a big contract. You go out and you're going to have to pay uh, James Robinson here pretty soon. Because he's going to want a decently sized contract because he's been producing and producing for Jacksonville, um, and let's see, the time you have to pay Trevor, and yet at the same point you're still like picking first, maybe even second in the draft. At this point, you're looking like you know we're going to have to start paying these first overall guys less. Now, the NFL does this to themselves. Teams do this to themselves. Nothing says you have to give these guys these massive contracts. Now, think about it this way. I guess the, the $37 million for over four years. Let me do the math on my phone real quick. Because um, I, I, I've already taken my shower. I'm ready. I've already eaten dinner, and my mind isn't working correctly right now. So let's say you take $37 million, divide that by four years. It's $9.2. It's, it's $9.25 million a year. Now, it doesn't seem like a lot, but again, if you give guys like Tyreek Kill these massive contracts, or not Tyreek Kill, but to Christian Kirk, excuse me, these massive contracts, eventually you're going to run out of money, and you're going to have to settle for scrubs when it comes to your starters. And I, obviously, every team has that one or two guys, maybe even three or four, that, you know, the position could be improved. But I just, I, I think that with the way the salary cap is right now, like, yeah, it's a it's a bloatload of money. It's more money than you and I will ever see combined. Um, but until it raises more, you're going to have to start consistently paying these number one picks. Or if you keep raising that bar, let's say next season 
to the Texans give C.J. Stroud if they do happen to take him number one overall, if they do have the first pick. Let's say they gave him $40 million. Okay. There's $40 million down the drain for the next four or five years. So, uh, Well, I'm not going to say down I'm not going to say down the drain because obviously he could be productive. But I guess what I'm saying is, is I guess what it boils down to is it, my biggest point is I think the number one overall picks are being paid maybe a bit too much. I don't think so at all, Rissland. I mean, the reason I say that is because, like I said, you, you still got him for the cheap. I mean, you're talking about Trevor Lawrence who's making just around $9 million a year as a quarterback. And if he's going out to make, if let's say he has a, a breakout year and he does really well, makes a Pro Bowl, you're playing $9 million for the next about two years for a Pro Bowl quarterback compared to look what Patrick Mahomes Good is making. Good point. I didn't. I mean, I didn't think about it that way. Good point. Good point. And, Again, my brain is not working real well yeah, right now. Good. It's it's and, and, it's only Tuesday. It's already been and, a long week. And let's say Trayvon Walker goes out and has ten sacks. You're paying a guy nine million dollars for ten sacks. And let me let me tell you this. Let's go back to when Matt Stafford was drafted. You know, you know, you look at the, some of the biggest rookie deals in, in NFL history. It was like Matt Stafford and Sam Bradford. Well, Matt Stafford got his six year deal. With $41 million guaranteed as the number one overall pick. And that was like 2009, dude. Like, you're talking about that contract to what Trevor Lawrence got last year? Just, you know, about 12 years later? Yeah, good point. My okay. goodness, okay. man, the savings. But I see what you're saying, but, the, but you know. The, the, yeah, the, good point. Good. Yeah, good the number point. one dude, like, and let's say they don't, you know, obviously quarterbacks nowadays are kind of a different situation because the quarterback is successful. You want to give them. You want to get him extended or a, a, a long-term contract. That way you don't run into the Lamar Jackson situation where they're hashing out a contract. Um, you want to kind of want to treat the like, Kyler Murray situation. Right. So, but I mean, if you're looking like a Aiden, possibly not playing. Correct. But if you're looking like a, like a Ahmad Gardner or Aiden Hudson, you know, Drake London, you have the luxury of that fifth year, um, you know, the fifth year, um, you know, option. Um, Good point. But, yeah. Yeah. But we talked about the quarterbacks earlier, Raceland, and that was one of the my one of my surprises was I wasn't surprised of. I mean, that was one of my surprises because of you know going into the draft, you know, we all kind of knew the quarterback class wasn't like it was years past. But however, you know, you right. see the mock drafts, you see the, the you know the the analysts on ESPN and other various different media outlets, and they're talking about you know the Malik Willis's, the Kenny Pickett's, the the Desmond Ritters possibly going in the first round. I mean, you look at the mock, they had like three or four quarterbacks in the first round, even though we all knew that they weren't the highest level of class. But then, so going right. into it, I'm like, oh, there's going to be quarterbacks taken. And there was one in the first round, and then we got none in the second, and we had to wait till the third round for more to get picked up. That's what surprised me, especially Malik Willis. We all had, we heard the, the all the rave. Malik Willis, the, the skill sets he brings. The ability has to be a day one starter potentially out of the whole class. And he went in the third round. The fall so of the quarterback the, in the class was really surprising to me. So it just shows me that um, NFL front offices don't take any of these mock drafts into consideration whatsoever. They draft based on what they need. Especially because if you look at like the projected number one for the longest time was Aiden Hutchinson up until – three days before the draft and it all changed to Trayvon Walker because of what Trent Baalke said uh, about him having, you know, the same kind of skill set of what he saw in Alden Smith back when Baalke was at uh, San Francisco and they drafted him. It just shows that again, that these front offices aren't taking any of these mock drafts in consideration. That's, that's from Mel Kuyper all the way down to the lowest to lows. Um, 
like they're not going to listen to you and me, especially as hell if they're not going to listen to Mel Kuyper. Because, I mean, a lot of us had Malik Willis, a lot of people had Malik Willis going in the first round in the top 10, mainly to Carolina at seven or six. So for them to really be able, because I know we, we have these mock drafts every year, and I, I absolutely love doing mock drafts. I love looking at them. Um, but they mean absolutely nothing. No one knows really. They mean absolutely happen. nothing. No one, yeah, again, no one really knows what, what's going to happen. Um, obviously, we didn't this year, especially again with the trades and the quarterbacks that not being taken. I was listening to uh, 97.1 The Fan. It's a Columbus radio station here in Ohio. And they were talking after, excuse me, they were talking uh, after the draft um, Friday that, you know, Pittsburgh had come out and or Mike Tomlin had said, though, no, I really like Desmond Ritter. I really, really like Malik Willis. They're, they're two types of quarterbacks that I would love to try and develop. And then they go out and take any picket with both of them still on the board. They're wondering if, and, and I thought the same thing too after they picked uh, picket was maybe that was just all smoke and mirrors that they were trying to get teams to maybe pick Willis or Ritter so they could get a solidified guy with Kenny Pickett. Because, again, and like I said before, I'll say it again. My opinion, I think Kenny Pickett's the best quarterback in this draft. Um, if you look at what he did last year at Pitt, I mean, he, great quarterback. He kept them afloat because that defense was abysmal, pitiful. Uh, and then you have the um, best receiver in, in the nation, uh, and Jordan Addison, who is now at USC, which if you want to talk about that later, we can. Um, I don't think he's officially at USC. I just saw he officially entered a transfer portal. I There's think been, it's official. I, I think he's gone to USC. I, think I was it's watching official. ESPN, and on the bottom look. ticker, they just said he entered the transfer portal. Um, let me look. But while you're looking that up, I mean, because the, the whole thing with Kenny Pickett, though, is I don't know if he has – I think he's the best quarterback right now, which I guess that's what you kind of – if you're Pittsburgh, that's what you're drafting because you need a guy to come replace Ben Roethlisberger. But I think when you talk about the most upside, I think it's Malik Willis. Um, I told you, I think Desmond Ritter kind of has the same skill set like a Marcus Mariota. Um, he has, yeah. he's kind of has that height. He's kind of, kind of thin if you really want to look at it. Um, mm-hmm. can be mobile, but can throw and can throw through, the, get the ball through the air, um, with relatively good accuracy. Um, but Kenny Pickett right now, I mean, he's the step in day one. And if you look at it, he's kind of that Big Ben type without the size. I mean, he. He doesn't like to rely on his feet, but he can if he needs to escape the pocket. He prefers to sit in the pocket he, and throw the ball downfield. Well, I, Big Ben was somewhat mobile early on in his career, but that that got shut down pretty quick. I mean, he that's because he, he, he realized. Down. Well, and he realized once once that, or I guess was he, he realized he could stay in the pocket for more than two seconds. Um, Outside of having to try and run away from guys, he he once he learned to trust in his offensive line is when he started to really become great. And I, Kenny Pickett needs the same thing because Pittsburgh's got a great offensive line. Um, obviously, they just lost uh, Pouncey to retirement. But if I know Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's going to rebuild that team, or I guess reload that team. They're not a rebuild team; they're a reload team. They're going to rebuild that team around Kenny Pickett, especially now. Um, I mean, they're they're going to try and keep the receivers. It sounds like um, 
what's his name? Not uh, Claypool, but their other receiver, Deontay Johnson. Sounds like he may end up leaving next year after his contract's up. Unless the, the Steelers have a great year this year and, and maybe squeak into the, the wild card. Maybe he'll stay then. I don't know. But um, So I looked it up. Jordan Addison is he's, he's in the transfer portal right now. Um, a lot of signs are pointing towards USC. But he he's also said that he could potentially return to Pitt. Um, so I'm trying to look to see some other dark horse places he could go. Uh, I know te so Texas is looking at making a run for him, which would be great for Texas because you get one of the top receivers in the nation with, with uh, the newly acquired Quinn Ewers. Those two could be a great duo. Uh, it says Tennessee. It could be a dark horse. Alabama, Nebraska. I don't think he'll end up at Nebraska. To be honest with you, I don't. I could see him at Alabama just because you know, if Alabama wants him, he goes to Alabama, so he he can really have a, the best chance possible out of any of these teams, in my opinion, to go win a national championship uh, before he goes to the draft. Tennessee, Tennessee. I don't know if it was you and me talking about it or if it was me and somebody else, but Tennessee is starting to become an uprise of a team right now. And it seems like they're trying to really squeak out as much as they can now, um, which I'm, I mean, especially if they if they can go out and get uh, oh, what's his name, Arch Manning. If they can if they can secure Arch Manning and get him committed there, uh, watch out because Tennessee is going to be a great team. I mean, they're already a good team now. I mean, I think they really resurged last season. Um, you know. Tennessee's kind of been a laughing stock for the most part because of the fact of they've been a dumpster fire. I mean, you look back when they were trying to hire Greg Schiano to come take the head coaching job, and the you know the out the outpour of negativity came out, and they had to re you know reverse that decision. Then they just haven't been the same type of Tennessee football team. Last year, last year was really a, a, a the only, really if you look at it, Raceland, that was the first time in probably about five to five years. That you can look at Tennessee and be like, maybe they have something that they can build on, right? They weren't the greatest team. I think yeah. they're still like an eight-win team. They were they're kind of middle of the SEC, but yeah. for the first time in a long time, you were able to look at them and say, man, they got a good nucleus there. Like going into next year, if they can keep that together and build upon it, that might be a nine to ten-win football club going in. You know, and that's saying something to SEC because a ten-win football club in the SEC probably wins the Big Ten or even the ACC, Pac-12, whoever. And let's just all be real about it. It's a different conference down there. I know we all hate the, you know, all non-SEC fans hate the SEC, but the reality is yeah. pluck, you know, for example, I mean, we all talk about the Big 12 expansion, but but let's not go too far down that rabbit hole. I mean, I, as soon as I, I'm starting to say that, I'm like, that's going down a rabbit hole, and this is not the time and the place. Yeah, well, that's, that, that's a whole different episode from what we've talked about. So let's yeah. get back on the track here with the NFL draft, and let's go to the yes. winners of the NFL draft. We'll talk about the losers here in a second, but let's go with the winners first. So, Raceland, let's give um, we're gonna let's say let's get three winners of the draft, but let's start with your number one, um, and then I'll give one, and then so forth. So. Who is one of your winners of the NFL draft? Uh, so my top winner for the draft is um, that's going to come maybe a surprise, but uh, I think they had probably the best draft out of anybody, uh, especially when you look at like all around draft wise. Uh, I'm going to say Baltimore. Now you could put New York in there with the Jets, but I think, I think Baltimore had so many big hits. Uh, 
and the Jets had picks only through the fourth round. Now, they had three first-round picks, obviously great picks, um, with Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, and um, Sauce Gardner. And they also had some – they had a great second-round pick with Brees Hall, Jeremy Ruckert. But I think I think Baltimore hit it, hit the nail on the head. Like, Baltimore's – Baltimore is in a ready – or a win – ready-to-win-now situation already. They're just missing a few key components. Uh, two seasons ago, it was injuries – to their secondary last year it was injuries with Lamar so they they went out and they addressed quite a bit of what they needed for for this year uh Kyle Hamilton in my opinion again I've said it once before I'll say it again I'll die on the hill until he proves me wrong or I guess until somebody else proves me wrong Kyle Hamilton's the best defensive player in this draft hands down in my opinion um for them to go out and be able to snag him at 14 great pick great pick a plus pick um they traded obviously with that with the Cardinals for Hollywood Brown back into the first round. They traded down uh, with the Bills. The Bills are was it the Bills or the Chiefs that jumped up? I think it was the Bills. Yeah, the Bills jumped up twenty five, uh, and then Baltimore with that with the with the original Buffalo pick took Tyler Linderbaum, which again solidifies the offensive line to help Lamar to help uh, the running backs, whether it be. Um, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, I saw they took another line running back. I can't can't remember who it was. Tyler Batty. Off the top of my head. He's a six-rounder. <clears throat> was it Batty? Uh, I, I want to say they had somebody else, too. It was Tyler Batty in the sixth round. I'm looking at it right now. Um, because uh, it's Tyler Batty. Maybe it was a free agent. Maybe it was a free agent pickup then. I'm not I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head. But I know they they, they picked up a guy that could compete for the number one spot. Um, with J.K. Dobbins, maybe they didn't. I and maybe I'm thinking, misthinking something. Um, but yeah. So and then second round, David Ajabo. Yeah, he's not going to be able to play this season because of the torn Achilles. But you know what? Great player. If he hadn't torn his Achilles, he'd be a top 15 pick in the draft. Um, so for them to go out and take a, a snag on him, take a chance on him, it's that's that's going to be massive for them coming up in the future. Um, in the fourth round, they took Daniel Falele. Uh, he's a six-eight offensive tackle. Again, bolstering that offensive line. They took Jalen Armour Davis. Great pick. Very underrated corner guy who's going to excel in the NFL. They took two tight ends, Charlie Kohler from Iowa State, and a guy that you wanted uh, for Jacksonville is Isaiah Likey from Coastal Carolina. Both of those guys are great tight ends. Uh, this was also... These guys don't get brought up very much because there's not uh, too much of a big need for them. But this was a big tight end class this year. You look at Kohler, you look at Likely, you look at McBride, you look at um, Jeremy Rucker from Ohio State. This was a great tight end class this year. It's unfortunate that these guys don't get as much love. But I think they should because especially if you're a great hybrid tight end where you can run both as a great blocker, uh, as a great pass catcher, maybe a guy who can jump out into a slot receiver position uh, like Kittle. Kittle Kittle is the epitome of what a tight end uh, is transforming into. And I think Trey McBride is going to do the same thing with Arizona. Uh, Isaiah Likely could do the same thing there with Baltimore. I mean, I, I disagree For with me, the statement of it's a great tight end class. I don't think it's a great tight end class. I think it's a okay I tight thought, end. I think it's a great tight end class. I, I disagree. The reason I say that is because if you look at the tight ends, I mean, like, yeah, Isaiah likely could be a good player, but I think there's some things he needs to groom. Um, Trey McBride, 
I mean, let's just say some that Trey McBride was the first tight end taken. I think he was, what, a second rounder, third rounder? Um, yeah, we picked him in the second. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I get it. I mean, obviously, like, if you compare it to last year, Kyle Pitts, but he's the tight end. But I don't think there was a standout tight end in this class. I think there was a lot of okay to good tight ends. But I do think there are some tight ends that have to be groomed a little bit before they can make an a true impact. And that's why I don't think it's a great tight end class. I mean, if you think of the word great class, you're thinking of guys that can yeah, come okay. in and make an impact day one. I, I do see what you're saying. I guess great way the where I was going with it is this 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 uh, tight end class has the best to be uh, the biggest. They, they have the biggest potential for a tight end class. I'll agree with you on that one. I'll agree with you on that one. Compared to what we've seen, because I mean, obviously Trey McBride can be a top tight end here in a couple of years. Uh, Jeremy Record, again, the only and the only reason I think he wasn't the number one tight end. Um, yeah, well, I guess two reasons is number one, he's not the best overall blocking tight end. Uh, he's a great receiving tight end, no doubt, uh, and he wasn't utilized a, a whole lot at Ohio State. But when he was, he was reliable. So um, the Jets going out and getting him, getting hometown kid with him. Uh, great pick for them, uh, but uh, I mean, I'll get to them later. So, who is your number one then? Uh, my number one would probably have to be the Jets. Uh, actually, no, yeah, I mean the man, the Jets. They they made. I mean, that first round alone. How can I mean? It's hard for me not to put them as the best because of the fact that you went and got Sauce Gardner, who has the potential to be a top ten, top fifteen corner his rookie year. Then you got a guy. Um, then you go and get Garrett Wilson. Right, you have a guy. You have Garrett Wilson, the, who's you're going to be your immediately your number one receiver. I'm trying to pull it up now so I can this you know list them off. But you have Garrett Wilson. Who they got, got Jermaine Johnson. Yeah, and, and you got and you traded back in the first round to get Jermaine Johnson. So you got Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, all in the first round. Jermaine Johnson, who kind of flew up the boards late in the draft process, but I think he can be a really really good player. Especially with the Which, guys they already have in place in New York. Then you got Garrett Wilson, who at ten, you could argue is a pretty good steal because he's. I think he's the best receiver in the class. I think you do too. I agree. Um, and I, I agree. And I think it gives Zach Wilson a down the field threat. I mean, you look at them that team last year. You had Keelan Cole, Braxton Berrios. Those guys are pretty good slot receivers who they can catch and get some yardage, but they're not down the field burners that Garrett Wilson is. And then you get Sauce no. Gardner, who can be pri – I mean, obviously it was between him and Stingley of the best corners in the draft, and you love the upside that Gardner has. I mean, now the question that we all talked about is how can he fare against pro-level receivers, especially coming out of the American. However, we're going to find that out pretty quick, but you still like the attributes and the upside that he brings to the table. But then you get Brees Hall in the second round with the fourth pick in the second round. I love Brees Hall. He's a three-down back. He's a very good pass protector when he needs to be. He can carry the rock, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Then you got Jeremy Rucker, the guy that you were just bragging about. Look, he got him in the third round. So even if he – I mean, I think he has the he has ability to make an immediate impact, um, especially because he has the other weapons around him. He doesn't have to be the guy. Um, Max right. Mitchell, pretty good offensive lineman there in the fourth round from Louisiana. And then Michael Clemens um, has potential, um, still be determined of what he can produce at the NFL level, um, a guy. But he, 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 you see what I'm saying? Like the first three picks alone, then you add Brees Hall and you add protection for Zach Wilson. Dude, that was an 
we talk about the the team that when you look at the draft, they didn't just sit there quietly waiting for people to fall to them. They were aggressive, and when they were aggr- yeah. aggressive, they made the most of it. Um, I just really love what the Jets did. I mean, that it, honestly, Raceland, I think I said it to you draft night on the first round, and I would have said it to you again in the second round if we were together. The New York Jets this draft screamed a team that said, we're tired of being awful. We're tired of this losing culture that has kind of ingrained itself in this organization for the past 10 years. We are sick and tired of it, and we're going to do something about it starting tonight. Yeah, I got a question. Who the hell taught the Jets how to draft properly? Because whoever it is, Jacksonville needs them. The well, Texans need them. We'll get we'll get involved with that the later. The Lions need them. I disagree with that Jacksonville comment. Actually, I really do. Um, <laughs> but I mean, at least for we'll I mean, see for right now. I mean, I, I when it comes to previous years, I would agree with you. But right now, I, it'll be a different conversation. Um, we'll see how Doug Peterson can handle with this team. Yeah, I mean, and plus, I mean, you look at the guys they drafted. I mean. Um, you know, Chad Muma, well, that, but Chad Muma and Devin Lloyd, I, mean, I think there was four linebackers with a 90 plus grade. And those two were, were half of them. Um, and then yeah. obviously Trayvon Walker's the iffy one, but if he has the skill set and he has the, if he lives up to potential, my goodness, um, you got to steal, um, not really steal, but I mean, that was a, a high risk and high reward. Um, yeah. but I mean, we're not here talking about Jacksonville, but I mean, so let me go ahead and give you my number two takeaway, and that was the New York Giants. Um, for one, the way the Giants let the board fall to them in the first round, you have Kayvon Thibodeau there at five, and then you had Evan Neal at seven. I mean, come on, Raceland. I mean, you got – not only did you didn't have to trade up to get the, the high-quality guys that you probably had your eye on the whole time, but not only did you get a – you seal the edge for – um. For the for Daniel Jones and and his make it or break it year with Evan Neal, who I think is the best offensive tackle in the draft, even though people had Icky Aquano. and then not, and then you I go agree with the, that statement. And then and then they're at the first of your, for your first pick at number five, you got Kayvon Thibodeau, who has the, all the all the potential in the world to be a wrecking crew on that offensive line, I mean defensive line yes. from the edge. And then you look at what yes. they did later in the draft. I mean, Wandale Robinson. Look, I mean, I got to see some him play a little bit, and I love the potential he brings to the table. I think it's a pretty good piece for the offense to surround Daniel Jones. Um, but, I mean, they they had some pretty good picks, especially if you look at Dan Belton in the fourth round. Um, that's a guy that I, I think he could be a pretty pivotal piece in that defense. I don't think he's going to make a Pro Bowl by I don't at this point. But I think he could be a solid player that he's not going to cost you any games, but he can be a solid guy that can contribute. Um, and then Micah McFadden, he has a lot of upside as well. Again, I don't think he's going to make a Pro Bowl within the first couple of years, but I think he's. you're going to look at him and say that was a good pickup there at number five. But really, when you look at the Giants draft, you look at what they were able to get with Thibodeau and Neal. I mean, really, when you look at the draft, it's all about hitting. Yeah, you got to hit you know later on the draft. But those first rounders, man, you I mean those are that's that's the building pieces of a team, and those and not only did you get one on the defense side of the ball, but you got a really pivotal one as at the left tackle position. So I kind of like what the Giants were doing there in the draft. Yeah, uh, my my winner number two is is the Jets. Um, we don't need to talk about them because obviously we already have. 
Um, so I guess for my number three winner, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the board a little with this one. Not an NFL team, but um, University of Georgia. Yeah. Georgia had five players taken in the first round. I'm not sure how many in total. Let me see if I can't find it. Um, uh, they very well could have had. So in in all, 15 players from Georgia were selected in the draft. Uh, it's, a, it's an NFL draft record. It's an NFL draft record that they had five taken in the first round. They could have had seven, but uh, obviously N'Kobe Dean fell to the third uh, based on injury issues, what he has currently. Um, some people are speculating that maybe it's worse than what he is saying because he's saying it's a pec issue, it's a shoulder issue, and we're hearing that it's pretty severe. They Right now they're just saying it's a strain, but some guys that I've talked with believe that it's not a strain, that it's a complete tear, or maybe not even a complete tear, but a partial tear, and that he's not going to get it fixed is an issue for some teams because if he goes to have that fixed, he can still be on the sidelines learning uh, when it comes to training camps and whatnot, mini camps. But the fact that he's not going to get it fixed was a big red flag for some teams. Uh, and then I'm, I'm trying to remember who the who that sixth guy was or who the seventh guy was for Georgia um, that was talked about being a first rounder. Can do you know off the top of your head the interior lineman? Um, he's an interior. Yeah, lineman. Uh, what's his name? What's his name? Um, Man, I am blanking on him, dude. I don't know why. I mean, I am too. Because he was picking the second round. I don't have my draft. Right? Let me see. I'm yeah, he was. I no, Devontae Wyatt. My draft book on me used to have that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Devontae Wyatt there in the uh, 20. Devontae Wyatt, yes. So, okay, he was there, so he, he was picking the first round. Yeah. So the, the, the first rounders were uh, Trayvon Walker, um, the interior D line. Jordan Davis. Uh, again, I already lost his name. Jordan Davis was there. Uh, Lewis Sign was. So there's four. Who's the, who was the fifth then? Devontae Pickens. Watt. Uh, yeah, well, Pickens was second round. Pickens, Pickens. But Devontae Watt, so, I mean. So, okay, so, so, so Pickens, Pickens was the other, that, that last that guy that could have made seven. Quay Walker was there, too. So it Quay was Walker, a, yes. Yeah, I mean. Yes. But if, that's the thing, like, a lot of so their So two guys at Devontae Watt. Yeah, so, so if you look at uh, Devontae Watt and. Uh, Quay Walker, two guys that were looked at kind of like a second round guy, looked at second round guys as as opposed to what Kobe Dean was looked at as first round talent. Uh, George Pickens was looked at as potential first round talent. Uh, for those two to fall outside of the out of the the, the uh, first round was a bit shocking for me, especially when it came to Kobe Dean not being picked up until the third round, which I think the Eagles got a huge steal. But again, I yeah, the University of Georgia is my third winner. I mean, they set two NFL records with most players drafted in, in, in one draft. Uh, most most players drafted in the first round. It just shows that Georgia is going to be, I, I don't want to say they're going to be a great team. It just shows they know how to build NFL-ready talent, um, which obviously, I guess, in turn leads to being a, a great college team. But again, you got to think, 15 players gone, and there were seven first-round talent players. What are they going to be next year? I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if you really think about the Georgia as a football program, you have a fork in the road. Are you going to go and continue the legacy that you left that you are that you got starting next this year? I mean, you won the national championship. Can you continue that and make that a, a either a dynasty ish 
or make it, you know, really cement yourself as a top tier college football program for the years to come. If if not winning it, keeping your name in the conversation, right? Or, so, or are you going to take that left like LSU did? I mean, if you remember, LSU had all those draft picks. They had, and now look what LSU is. They're nothing. They, yeah, they're, they're, they're not seven good. win team in the SEC. They, I mean, they have a whole yeah. new regime with uh, Chip Kelly. Uh, not Chip Kelly, Brian Kelly. This the fake Brian Southern. Kelly. Um, <laughs> so the fake Southern dancing man. Uh, so let me ask you. I feel real like quick, he watched the your... Water Boy and he he saw the D lineman. He's like, that's what <laughs> I want to be like as a coach in the South. So he... he saw the assistant coach and he's like, yeah. So he took the assistant coach uh, from Water Boy and he took Coach O and he combined them uh, and actually made it, I guess, um, um, a meme. He is a meme. So let me ask you real quick before you move on to your third winner. Um, where would you rank? And I know it's kind of hard to put you on the spot, I guess. So, so let me ask you this way. Do you think that Georgia defense from this past season is a top five defense in college football all the time? Because obviously, obviously you got to put the O2 three, Miami. I, I, well, because obviously, in my, in my opinion, and I'm sure you would agree, like that O2 Miami defense is the best defense we've ever seen in college football. Yeah, I mean, I think the O two, the O one Miami would probably never be topped, right? The the O one Miami. I mean, if you look at that team as a whole, the O one Miami. Yeah. I mean, they, you, there's just no topping that. I mean, they they had starters no. in the next draft no. as backups, and I don't, and now yeah. I mean, they're first and second round draft picks as backups. Um, I mean, you look at, but I say top three, maybe even two, maybe they're number two. Right? So I mean, I. I mean, you're talking about four with, to five without first looking. Rounders. Yeah, and seven seven total first round graded talent. I guess if you depend on who you talk with and what organization type. I'd say without looking at like top defenses of all time, I'd definitely put them a top top five just to be safe. Because there could be a defense that obviously being on the spot we're not thinking of right now. I mean, but yeah, I so. That's a podcast on its own, race. I mean, if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty, 01 Miami defense versus 2022 Georgia defense. That that could be a, a show because, I mean, you look at Vince Wolford versus Jordan Davis. I mean, let, yeah. me, let me let me I mean, let me go ahead and do a quick search. You look here. at you look at you look at Nicobe Dean versus Ray Lewis. You look at Lewis Sign versus well, Ray Ed Lewis Reed. wasn't 01. He wasn't 01. What year was he then? He was in the nineties. Was he in nineties? Yeah, he was nineties okay. guy. He well, and that 01 Miami team was just great all around. No, I'm looking at. The, I'm pulling up the roster now. Hold on. So there's there's uh, I have an idea, uh, a, a potential future collab idea. Obviously, we did the collaboration with Not Your Sports Fans podcast. Uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to it. I highly recommend it. We talk, although at this point, I mean, it, well, no, it still matters at this point because we talk about who who our top ten defensive and offensive players were going into this draft. Um, so go ahead and listen to it. I have a, I have a future collab idea that maybe we something that we can run through. Uh, I'll run it by you, and I'm sure the other guys would love to do it too. Uh, but I'll run it by you after the after we're done recording here. So. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at the defense, you had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 star. You had 12 NFL guys on that defense. 
Um, just to name a couple, you had Bryant McKinney, you had Vince Wolfork, um, you had Philip Buchanan, Ed Reed. Entrell Roll was a freshman. I love Entrell Roll. That man was great in Arizona. Jonathan Vilma, D- DJ, and, and Rayson, think of it this way. Jonathan Vilma was a sophomore that year. Vince Wolfork was a freshman. And if you if they were draft eligible after that one season, they probably would have been first rounders. Miami would hold the record with half of the draft being Miami players. Dude, listen, look at the offense. He had this was the running back room for the offense that year. Clinton Portis, Najee Davenport, Willis McGahee, Frank Gore, and Jarrett Payton. Five NFL guys in the locker yes. room. Yes. My God. And, and you know what, Rayson? Yeah. That, that everyone talks about the LSU team potentially being the best. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. Uh-uh. <laughs> that team, we'll never see another 0-1 Miami, and and that's all biasy aside. We'll never see another one of that. No, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, unless obviously we get like a super. Now, I'm going to go on a limb and say we will see it topped, just because of the way the transfer portal's running nowadays. I just don't, even with the transfer portal racing, because it's all about the NIL. And there's so many schools willing to get, so many, well, not schools, but boosters and, and companies willing to give out money to just kind of separate the group. Um, you're talking about a team, man. I mean, the five NFL guys, not just guys, but dudes that contributed yes. in the NFL at some point in the yes. same locker room. Um, yes. But... Enough about that. That's a whole other show. Yeah, that's a whole other. That's a whole other topic. But so, who, I, who's your third winner? I'm going to take the easy way out here. Um, I have a tie for third, but it kind of works out because you already talked about one of them. That was the Ravens. Um, but my other one is the Detroit Lions. Again, a team that was very aggressive in the first round. They went and traded back. They traded up to get James Williams. James Jameis Williams and um, Jameson Williams. And then, so you got Aiden Hutchinson with the second overall. You went and traded up to get Jameis Williams. Jameson Williams. I always get like Jameis Winston in that in that kind of. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Don't worry about it. But then, then you got Josh Paschal from Kentucky, who I thought was a first round talent. To be honest with you, Raceland, um, I thought he could have been sneaked into the first round because he did make some pretty good plays at Kentucky. Made a good impact on that on the big on that big defense. Um, so I thought that was a steal, but then you went and got James Mitchell, who was arguably one of the best tight ends in this draft in the in the fifth round, and then you went and got Malcolm Rodriguez, who from Oklahoma State. Look, on an Oklahoma State defense that was top five in the country, and then I I I think they may they may have when you look at back in the next couple of years, when you look at production and value of where they got drafted. We might look at that draft class as a huge stepping stone for the Detroit Lions because you're talking about a team that had nothing going to this year. That team doesn't look so awful anymore. You got Jamison Williams with DJ Chark for a year. Then you mm-hmm. then you go on that defensive side. Josh Paschal could be one of your best pass rushers, and you got him in the as your 14th pick in the second round. I I I I, I like what Detroit did in the draft. I like the what they're building there. Dan Campbell, look, they were awful last year, but unfortunately for the Lions, I still think they're a quarterback away. I, I don't think Jared Goff is going to do I much agree. for them. 
No, and I think that they, if they are in the same position next year, is if they're top pick and top five, they're going to take a quarterback. So we talked about our, our our winners, but let's talk about the losers of the draft. Who are your losers of the draft? And don't get it wrong, guys. We're not saying these guys are losers as people. I know people like to misconstrue that sometimes, but guys that didn't really reap the benefits of the draft. Uh, so who are your losers? Uh, my number one loser is it's going to be obvious, and I know you're they're, you're probably number one loser too. So we can tag team this one. The New England Patriots. What Word. the hell are they doing? I mean, they. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm reading on CBS. I'm looking at some of the winners and losers. Um, so what CBS says is the Patriots don't give a damn about your mock drafts or what you think of their class. Clearly, because they picked like ass. Um, I said. <laughs> Says they shocked the world in the first round by taking a, a, an offensive guard from Chattanooga by the name of Cole Strange with a 29th overall pick. Um, and then in the second round, they took Baylor Speedster, Tyquan Thornton. <laughs> it says, which is probably the Pets' best pick of the draft, but it's a guy who could be taken in the third round. Uh, they took Bailey Zapp. There's nothing wrong with drafting a quarterback. Zapp is an interesting prospect. Uh, I know some of the guys from the uh, Not Your Average Sports Fans podcast are pretty high on him, especially Chris. Chris loves Bailey's out. I don't know why. Damn it. I don't know why. Sorry, I unplugged my headphones. I know why, um, dude. He he lit up some – Hang on, James. Well, I'll, I'll continue. But the reason people love Bailey's app is because Bailey's app was actually put up a lot of production. And if you look at one of the most memorable games, if you look back at 2020 when they during the COVID year – they went against Texas Tech, and I think he had like 500 passing yards and almost led them to a win. Like Bailey Zapp, man, he when you look at some of the, the, the stats he was able to put up, was phenomenal. However, it's not a lot of down the field. It was a lot of dip and dunk, which I think hurt his draft stock. Uh, very good heaven. Again, I don't – well, man, this entire draft class for quarterbacks was abysmal um, when it came to – just overall talent, I guess. There's a lot of upside for some of these guys like Ritter, Willis, Pickett, but not a lot of guys that can come in and be day one starters. I think Pickett very well could be, uh, obviously, Ritter in, in Atlanta and then um, Willis in Tennessee. They're not going to be day one starters. Um, they're going to be groomed to potentially be starters eventually, but they're not guys who are going to come and produce day one. No, and if you look at the Patriots, too, I mean, you used your first-round pick on Cole Strange. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, So, I don't know if you saw this, but um, Sean McVay, head coach of the Rams, was saying in an interview, like, they, he and the GM were sitting there watching the first round of the draft. Obviously, they didn't have a first-round pick or even a second-rounder for that matter. But they they said that they're sitting there, and when Cole Strange's name was announced for the, as the pick for the, the Patriots at 29, Sean McVay's like, man, he was a guy I wanted in the third round. He's like, I definitely thought he would have fallen to the third round. Now, it's Bill Belichick and, the, and Robert Kraft. They know what they're doing, obviously. They, they've won six championships. Maybe they see so much in this guy that nobody else is. Maybe they think Cole Strange could be the next top guard in the league. I don't believe so. But again, it's Bill Belichick. He's a mad scientist when it comes to football. He knows what he's doing. And if if Bill Belichick says this guy is 
worthy of a first round pick. Maybe he's onto something. I don't know. Only time will tell. I'm gonna disagree with you there. I'm gonna let me look at the last five. Let's say the last five first round picks for the the Patriots, because you're talking about you know the Patriots organization that just didn't that decided not to pick up the fifth year option for Nikhil Harry. Um, oh, Nikhil Harry, yeah, I, I know Nikhil Harry hasn't been, and that was a fear I had for him in the NFL was that coming out of Arizona State that he wouldn't be anything. Um, there's a lot of guys that are great college talent, but then they don't pan out in the NFL. Obviously, we see that time and time again with with guys who go in the first round but then become busts or guys that go in the first round but don't produce and end up becoming uh, backup talent. So they, their last – so they really their last five have been Isaiah Wynn at 23 in 2018, Sony Michelle at pick number 31 in 2018, and – so I mean, Sony Michelle is pretty good. Um, he's solid there, yeah. He's solid. Um, Isaiah Wynn is okay. Who, who, he's solid. He, he's a solid. He's a solid guy, yeah. Um, and Keel Harry there at number thirty-two in twenty nineteen. That obviously yeah. turned out to be a bust. They didn't have a pick in forget, twenty. They didn't have a pick in twenty twenty. Don't, don't forget they traded up for him too. Yeah, they traded back into the first round for Keel Harry. Um, Mac Jones, who seems to be pretty good, and then Cole Strange. So. Maybe it's not as bad as I initially thought. Um, but again, is Sonny Michelle making a first round type of impact? I mean, let's just all be I don't think he no. is. Um no. and then so I mean, is he is Bill Belichick this master genius? Yeah, he has six championships. But I don't know, man. Like this could be the start of dangerous territory. You have a team if you're look at the vision. You're going against Buffalo. You're going against Miami now with a, a tight if Tua can get his crap together, who could be very good. Tyreek Hilton in the offense. Then, and then look at the moves the Jets just did in the draft. Um yep. New England, wake up because you could very well be looking at potentially the third best team in the division if you don't wake up. I mean I'm telling you, if if Zach Wilson can transform into the quarterback he was drafted to be. The Patriots don't make solid moves. Or worse, Brady goes to Miami next year. Then you are the last in the division. <laughs> you will be the last of the division. Now, i got to ask you real quick before you say your second loser. Um, do you think if Zach Wilson doesn't produce this year, maybe they move on from him because of the quarterback talent there is in the draft next year? No, I think you still ride with them for another two year, another year, because you got to remember this is the that regime's guy. It ain't like he they took over with him. Um, they right. drafted him, Robert Sala and that GM drafted him last year, and you know how it is, Rayson. Very uh, very very few cases isn't isn't the reality to where usually if the quarterback goes, guess who goes with him? The GM and the coach. Um, so let me let me ask you this: Do you? Obviously, you've already given your answer, but do you think that with the talent they're putting around him now, with uh, with Ruckert, with Wilson, um, they they went out and got Brees Hall. Obviously, in the draft, they had a decent free agency class. Do you think that even do you still think that even if he can't produce with all this talent they're putting around him, that they still keep him? Because I mean, you got to think if if he can. If they're still losing games because he's not getting the ball to Garrett Wilson on downfield passes, if he's overthrowing Gary or Jerry, Mer, Jerry, what's his name, Jerry Record, 
on seven yard in routes from the tight end position. If 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 he can't sling the ball properly to to Brees Hall out of the backfield, which I mean, it, for what Aaron Rodgers says, he he was on Pat McAfee a while ago talking about it. He says that the hardest throw to make is to uh, running back out of the backfield if he's making a bubble route. Yes. But if he can't if if he can't make connections and they're losing because he can't make these connections, do you th- just still think that they keep him? Or do you think they move on next year? I think it depends on what it is. I mean, I don't think you go out and draft a guy for another unknown, especially when you have that type of team surrounded. If, especially if he's not that good this year and then next year they use it to pit, to get more pieces. Um, it depends. If he progresses, then yeah, they're going to stick with him. But if he's flatlined or even got worse, then I think the question's to be had. But I think, honestly, if you're the Jets and that does happen, Raceland, there's a big name out there that hadn't signed an extension yet. And if you're the Jets and you have the cap room to go do something, do you go after Lamar Jackson? I mean, if, if he's a free agent, if he's a free agent, hell yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think Lamar, I think Lamar would take it with the talent that they're putting around the quarterback right now. Well, I mean, um, like, all the reports coming out that nothing has really changed when it comes to the contract status with Lamar Jackson, and you know how that is. If if it keeps dragging, dragging along, they might trade him. Like they very well could, but the question would then be: Would the Jets be willing to give up draft picks for a guy? Obviously, Lamar's one of the top quarterbacks in the league right now. Would they be willing to give up a ton of a ton of draft picks and maybe even a ton of talent to go get him when they can go out and get? Let's say they have the number one overall pick next year. When they can go out and get C.J. Stroud, a guy who has the connection already with Garrett Wilson and Jeremy Rucker. You go after Lamar Jackson because he's the proven guy, especially in that division. A C.J. Stroud is not a home run guy. Neither is Bryce Young. Neither is Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, if you look at the quarterback class next year, yeah, the prospects is a little bit better than this year, but they're no, no by any means are they certified home run guys. And if you're the Jets and what you just did in the draft this year, you need a guy. You need to, two things happen: Zach Wilson be the right guy that you drafted last year. Or B, you need to go get a guy that has already proven he can win the league. So whether that be a Jimmy Garoppolo, whether that be a Lamar Jackson, I mean, you don't. Well, Garoppolo's going to be Garoppolo's going to be a free agent after this year. So, so I mean, we'll have, perfect. If Zach Wilson doesn't improve this year and he and you're very worried about him, maybe you go get Garoppolo because you need a guy that can go in there and win and help you. Um, I get. Do you it. do you see the potential of if? Let's say Tua does really well and the Dolphins want to keep him. Do you, and Tom Brady's a free agent. Do you think that the Jets really try and go after him? Unfortunately for Tua, I think if Tom Brady wants to go Miami, Tua is getting traded out of there. Okay. I, I, as messed up as that sounds, I just think that's the reality of it. I mean, you, you had the reports that okay. Tom Brady was trying to look into be an owner, part owner. Um, Minor uh, – Minor owner, yes. Yeah, I I feel bad, man, because like I just I, I may I and again I don't I'm not an insider by any stretch of the imagination. None of us are, um. But doesn't kind of feel that way. Like doesn't kind it of does. feel it like does. that Tom Brady wants to go to Miami. It doesn't matter if two was an All Pro this year. They're going to go with Tom Brady. Like it just kind of feels it, that way. It, it does, and it sucks because I I agree with you. Uh, this man can be an all-pro. This man can make the Pro Bowl. This man can take him to the playoffs. And if Tom Brady says, hey, I want to go to Miami, they're either going to bench him or they're going to trade him, which sucks because, I mean, if he has a great year, he's going to be a quarterback of the future. And 
and you, you better hope that he doesn't end up on a team. You better hope that you trade him to the NFC, because if you trade him to an AFC team where they play you every two years, he is going to ruin you. Yeah. I mean, so, but yeah, I agree. So I, I know where we are. We're getting there close to being time because it's almost eight o'clock. We started recording about seven. So uh, let's continue on. Who is your second loser for the draft? Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. I got to be honest with you. He was my number two as well. So let's just go with it. I mean, I, I hate piling on the guy because he's been through it. He's already had enough piled on him this offseason with, you know, every, with the whole he wants traded, the Deshaun Watson signing. Um, but you're talking about a guy that if you look at all the potential landing spots that he could have went to, they all picked quarterbacks except for maybe Indianapolis. And they got they yeah. signed Jacoby Brissett in the offseason. So they seem like they're good with what they have. So you look at Carolina. They got <laughs> – I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. Like they got – let me yeah, guess. Carolina got Corral. Corral, yeah. And if you look at Tennessee, they got Malik Willis. Pittsburgh, they got Kenny Pickett. I mean, he has to be the, the the second loser, in my opinion, because now what do you do? I mean, if you're Cleveland, you're not trading them. I mean, no. what are you going to get? A bag of chips? I mean, I'm just it's unfortunate. I mean, for the but the contract he has on on slab right now, and and, and no one wants him. Um, and then you look at okay, if you get cut, where are you going to go? That that they're going to pick you up right away. I think. I mean, Seattle. Seattle would pick him up right away. I think Seattle's waiting for the Browns to release him. Again, I don't know. I I, I don't know that. And quite frankly, I they might be good with running what they got, dude. Like as I wouldn't run with Drew Locke, to be honest with you, but because me, they know Drew they know Drew Locke's not going to get them anything. They just had to get him in that trade with Russ because he he's a guy who can start, who has the starting experience, like he did with Denver. But I mean, but, again, so but why spend? It's, it, I mean, again, but if, so, you, if you already have the guy on your roster and they're kind of similar, I think Baker's better, but they kind of have Baker's similar. Baker's better than Drew Locke. Maybe. I mean, I honestly, Drew Locke right? has more weapons now than he ever has. Good point. But but even then, when he was in Denver, he's he still couldn't make the throws that Baker can. Who, um, who did he have to throw to outside of one year? I mean, he had no one to throw to, Raceland. He's had Cortland Sutton. He had Jerry Judy. Well, Jerry Judy was one year. He was a rookie last year, wasn't he? Okay, okay. So he, he had he had the one. But still, he, if he can't make the throws, he can't make the throws. That's not on the receivers. That's on him. I mean, fair. I don't know. M my thing is, is I think these teams are waiting for, for um, the Browns to release Baker because they, they see that the Browns are obviously not going to play him. They're not going to want to give up draft capital for Baker. Um, I think the best thing for the Browns to do right now is to keep Baker and then release him at the end of the season. And then when they do so, what a team picks him up, they're going to get a second. They're going to get a, a compensatory pick, whether it be in the third or fourth round. And if Baker, so I was listening to the fan again today, and they were talking that you know if Baker shows up to yeah, okay. training camps and, and whatnot. Um, obviously, he has to get his money. What are, what are you if he doesn't show up, they can withhold the money, especially what is guaranteed to him. 
Um, so it says Baker right now is due 18, almost 19 million in 22. Um, the Browns, they're going to have to eat most of that money. And again, it, it, I don't know how much you heard because you stepped away for a second. But I heard um, everything. I was listening. You heard everything. Okay. So, so I mean, if Baker doesn't show up, obviously they don't have to pay him that entire $19 million. Um, they only have, they only have to pay out what's guaranteed. And I'm not sure how much is guaranteed left from this season, um, but it, it can't be too much from out of that $19 million. Uh, you think about Baker's side. If I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm showing up. I'm getting my money. I'm, and I, I, I'm not going to cause any chaos. I'm just going to show up, go to my locker. If I don't have a locker, say, where the hell is my locker at? Um, put pads on, go on the practice field. Go up to Stefanski and be like, okay, coach, do you want me to run with the third team? Do you want me to run with these guys here? If Stefanski tells him to just go work on the sidelines, work on throwing on the sidelines, then do it. Don't go to the, don't go to the media and blast the Browns. Just do what you can, do what you will, and show teams that you can be a mature quarterback. I mean, Raceland, if I – I mean, I, I know it's easier to say when you're not in this situation, but – I kind of agree with you, because not only if you don't show up, you're gonna get fined all like all hell. And two, mm-hmm. hey, if you're Baker, and that shoulder's healthy, go play in the preseason, because then oh, you can okay. show you can make the throws. Time. Because if you're if you do if you make those throws in the preseason and something happens to another team like like you said Seattle and catches their eye, you're gonna you're gonna get picked up. But now, yeah. but I don't think Baker's going to show up. I think he's going to sit out, and and I think he's going to make the Browns cut him, and that way he has his free range of where he wants to go. I think that's the real key here. See, I think Baker wants to go to a place where I he don't. think he can win. Which don't blame him there, but the Browns aren't going to trade him to a situation unless they can get something returned. No. What are they going to get and, in return and, from Seattle, Raceland? I mean, uh, like. They're not. They're the, not going to get anything. The best, that, the best that at this point they can look for is a, a fourth or fifth round pick. And again, like I said, while you stepped away for a second, Seattle's not going to want to give up draft capital, especially with the fact that they don't have, out, outside of obviously now what they traded and what they got in the uh, Russell Wilson trade, they're not going to have a ton of, of draft capital because they traded that to New York when they traded for Jamal Adams. Well, I mean, but if you if you're already moved on from Baker, would it be make it makes more sense as a Browns franchise to cut him because then you get get you get that conditional pick as a first they round. They can get that. They can get that at the end of the season uh, if they release him in, in this next off season. Um, I think the best thing to do for Cleveland because I I don't know if they can I don't know if they can get that compensatory pick if they release him and. It before the season starts. I don't know how that works. But in my opinion, the best thing for Cleveland to do right now is to hold on to Baker. Excuse me. Hang on. Give me one second. Okay. Hold on to Baker. Um, and in case something happens with Sean Watson, and he is, he does indeed get suspended. And then and this is obviously worst case scenario for Cleveland. Let's say Watson gets suspended and Brissett becomes a starter. Brissett gets hurt. 
Are they going to go out and sign a free agent quarterback? Probably not. They're going to be like, okay, Baker, this is your absolute last chance. And if I'm Baker, then at that point, I'm saying no. I'm not. I'm not playing. Now he's going to be. He's going to be fined, which is fine. I mean, obviously, we talked earlier. Big number one overall pick. He has money. He has money from these ads, from these progressive ads, or um, yeah, progressive ads that he's been running in Cleveland from Hulu. He's got plenty of money to sit back and be like, no, I'm not playing. But again, if he doesn't do that, excuse me, he's showing teams that one, he can't be a committed guy. Number two, he's not. He's showing that he's not um, grown up. That he's still kind of being in the childish ways. But I don't. I wouldn't blame him for that because of the way Cleveland has handled the entire situation. No, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't blame Baker for how he's handling it. I mean, the, the situation is kind of handled poorly. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I think I think both sides are at fault here. I think Cleveland could have gone about it in a different way. Hold on, but and I think but, and I and I think that. Baker should have realized last season that, hey, my shoulder's messed up. I need to go have surgery. Well, if you listen to Matt Ryan's presser, he said he used to be a Falcon if it wasn't for the Falcons trying to get Deshaun Watson. So, I mean, yeah, everyone's thinking that Baker's handling it wrong, wrong, because Matt Ryan did the same thing. He's like, you're getting, I'm out of here. If, you, if that's how you, how you feel, then get me somewhere that who wants me. Baker's wanting the same thing. I, 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 everyone is so, kind of no, dogging no, I, on Baker. I, I agree. I, I see what you're saying. I, I do. And I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I dog on Baker about it too. But again, I don't know if Cleveland would have pushed as hard for Deshaun Watson if Baker would have been like, okay, I'm going to go have surgery and I'll get ready for next year. I disagree. Because it, it, that was the, I, the whole issue of, of him – Running, he got hurt. I can't remember exactly what game it was off the top of my head. It was but the he, Houston he game. got put in the he got put in the blue tent, and he ran back out like, "No, I'm going to play." And then they forced him to go back in to get checked. It's at that point he should have realized that, "Hey, something's wrong here. I need to go have this checked. I need to have this fixed." Because it seemed like Cleveland wanted to still be committed to Baker, but Baker wasn't committed to Cleveland. By going to get the surgery, he he thinks he may have thought that he was trying to stay committed by playing through the rest of the season injured. But obviously, again, like I said, he hurt the team more than he helped because he kept playing hurt. But it, again, but that's a coach's decision that should be he should have made the call to sit Baker if that's how he felt. And I, for I two, agree. Stefanski should have made and, that call. I, I agree. Two, if you're Baker. You're you're coming off a playoff year, and it's still early in the year. I think that was like what week three or four. There's still 13 games left, and you're still in the thick of it. If you if you miss the season, it's a waste of a year. It's a waste of a year because Keenum's not getting you those many wins. He's not winning football games to get you in the playoffs. So it's a wasted year. Injured Baker wasn't going to win him that many more games either. I mean, obviously hindsight shows now. Obviously, and I think Keenum could have won just as many games as what Baker did hurt. I would agree, but I mean, in the thick of it, though, Rachel. I mean, it's it's easy to have the hindsight. I mean, but in the thick of it, you, how do you blame Baker? I mean, yes, it, it shows that it shows that Baker is a competitor, but it doesn't. It it shows that he doesn't know when to say enough is enough. That I need to slow down, and I need to go have the surgery. That he he doesn't. He he thinks in the mindset of a guy who who wants to win, which is great. But then again. Like we saw this year with Cleveland, it can backfire quickly. 
But, I mean, I guess my confusion is, I mean, we all praise Matt Stafford for how tough he is, and then Baker doesn't. It's a it's a crime. And What do you mean? Like, I mean, you with look Matthew at, Stafford. I mean, look at Matt Stafford. I mean, the whole the viral video of him when he gets hit and he breaks his his um, his horse collar, his collarbone. Yeah, and he goes in, and he stays on the field for the two point conversion. Yeah, but then the game was over and he was done for the season. But it doesn't Baker matter. I mean, we applaud that, but we we don't applaud Baker for trying to tough it out to help his team make the playoffs. That's what I'm like. I don't know. I think right, but but again, but again. So yeah, okay. We you say we applaud or, Matthew Stafford or for doing we, that going back on, or we applaud uh, Terrell Owens playing the Super Bowl with a broken leg. Again, there's a whole different side to playing in the Super Bowl hurt than still trying to make the playoffs. Not that much different, man. It's well, and, and again, you got to think. Look at Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford broke his collarbone, went out for the two point conversion. And then he was done. He said, okay, I, I need to go have this fixed. Baker didn't. I mean, Baker kept saying, I'm going back out there to play, which, again, that brings up my theory of Cleveland finally, and Stefanski was like, okay, you know, I've tried to sit you. You said no. You grab your helmet and you run out of the field. I'm going to let you do you. You get hurt, that's fine. No. Your ass will be gone next season. We're, we're debating about the injury, which that's kind of where we gravitated. But the reality is, if you listen to all the reports from the inside the building, that's where the issue starts. I mean, if if the what, reports, the fact that they well, no, but the reports of how he was, you know, on a day to day basis. I mean, if you listen to reports, like uh, you know, the the rumors, uh, the the reports of the rumors that he was hard to deal with yeah. inside the building, that's where it starts. Yeah. Well, and, and then so the injury I've, and everything else. Right. So listening to. So when it, when it was happening with Odell being traded, hearing that you know he and Baker didn't get along and it seemed like Baker may have had a hand in Odell getting released, the whole entire receiver room was pretty pissed with him. Like they didn't, like Jarvis said, maybe it was Jarvis said it, but a reporter probably said it, talking with Jarvis, whatever, said that the receivers didn't talk to Baker at all for like two weeks outside of game day. Because they were upset because they feel like Baker had something to do with it. Yeah, I mean, if, there was a lot of dysfunction in that locker room. I think that's, I mean, if the reports are true that the dysfunction was there, then that explains why the season unfolded the way it did. But again, yeah. back to what you're saying is I think if he had the opportunity to get Deshaun Watson and he can play, I mean, all of the, the allegations, I mean, it is what, I mean, the allegations aside, right? I mean, they're important. Right. They're crucial. Those are important, and and the civil cases are important, right? But yes, I'm not trying to downplay that. But when you look, if you're Cleveland and you see a guy that all criminal charges were dropped, and you see what he can produce on the field, Atlanta is putting their feelers out there. They were going to react to get a guy like that on their team, especially when you look yep. at the AFC as a whole conference. Right. That's why I think right. Baker injured or not. They were going after him because if you look at Baker, even a healthy Baker, and I'm not trying to do the whole Baker Mayfield thing again. I, we've every, it's been talked about a nauseum. We've, it's been talked about plenty of times, way too many times, and I, I'm not trying to get into that mess again. But it was a conversation. He's not beating the Josh Allen's, Patrick Holmes, and so forth. But that's all I'm going to say about well, that. No. Until news breaks no. that he's been traded or something, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm so done over the Baker talk. 
just like I am with the Urban Meyer talk, dude. I am so over it. It's <laughs> it's. I mean, honestly, like yeah, you know, the USA Today yeah. report came out. It's interesting. It's an interesting read. I read it, but it's like, what else can be said about it that we haven't already? I heard said? about it. I heard about it twice today, listening to the fans. So I'm already tired of it too. But anyway, all right. So let's 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 finish up the episode because we've done gone over the hour. Um, who is your third loser for the draft? My third loser, man. I didn't have a third loser. Um, I guess I can think of one really quick. Okay, so let me let me throw mine out there. Uh, my third loser is Ryan Tannehill. Going back to the quarterbacks, um, and the other reason I say Ryan Tannehill is because obviously they took Malik Willis in the third round. Now I'm not saying he's on the hot seat at all, but it seems like that they may be getting ready to move on from him. If it's not obviously after this this next season in two years, uh, they're going to try and groom Malik Willis to be their future. And it seems that Ryan Tannehill, obviously he's getting older. Um, so it, it seems like they may be looking to move on from him within the near future. If if he doesn't produce well, even with King Henry, Derrick Henry on the field, they may look at some point in the future being like, hey, what do we have to lose with Malik Willis? If if we see him as as a guy who can either equal what Matt Ryan is doing here or better, we're going to play him because he's a young guy. We're not paying him a ton. We're paying Ryan Tannehill a boatload of money. Then they're going to run with him, and Ryan Tannehill's not going to have a job with Tennessee. Honestly, I see Tannehill's time with Tennessee ending after the twenty twenty or yeah, the twenty four season. Um, I give him two years. I think it can end sooner than that. Um, I think if if they have another disappointing end of the season, it could be the end then. Okay. Uh, because, so do you, do you, I mean, because I, I know the, the AFC South as a whole division is a dumpster fire right now. Yeah. But I don't know if you could truthfully go in and say Tennessee's winning it all this year. No, because the Colts right now with Matt Ryan and, and, and uh, Michael Pittman being the, the, the guy who came in late and being a star, they got Jonathan Taylor. Look out because the Colts could very well take over that number spot, especially if King Henry gets hurt again. Yeah, and I mean, I I think that the two front runners are Indianapolis and Tennessee, and then obviously Houston and Jacksonville have work to do. However, I will say this, and I'm not trying to toot the horn, but go ahead, if, I, I'm thinking the same thing. If the if that Jags defense, the potential that could be, I mean, Jacksonville could easily be one of those teams from last worst to first. This year. I, I agree. Jacksonville, in, in my opinion, has the best potential to go from worst to first. Now, and realistically, they can because they rebuilt that defense yes. this offseason. But the it all comes, down to, got... all comes down to the progression of the offense. That's what it comes down to, in my opinion. Right. And, no, and I agree. But and So they, they went out and rebolstered the defense in the draft. They've got a great Super Bowl winning head coach in Doug Peterson. They've got who they, they view as the future of the franchise and Trevor Lawrence. They're getting Travis Etienne back. They went out and draft or uh, signed a couple of good receivers. If if they can't produce, then they gotta look a little bit more into what the bigger key is. Now they're gonna give Trevor Lawrence this year, they're gonna give him next year. If if they're not producing beyond what they I'm not gonna say what they think. 
because obviously Trevor can be a top quarterback in the NFL if he if he's really if he's on a good team. But if he's not producing to the level of what he oh, what's the word I'm trying to find here? If he's not producing to the level of beyond uh, a, a five win year, a five win team, and it's it seems like he's the issue, they're going to move on. I agree. Now, I think hard. they. I agree with that, but but I don't think that's going to be the case because the way I it look at it is be. this, and everyone who looks at last year, last year was a wash year for the whole franchise. Yeah. With the Urban Meyer situation, with the whole fiasco, that was a walk. Excuse me, that was a wash year. Yeah. The was. reason I have hope for this year is like I have to say, they rebuilt that defense. They I mean quite literally, Miles Jack, gone. Damian Wilson, gone. Kalevon Chason's yep. probably getting replaced. Probably will. So if not if not this year, next year. It's this year. I mean, they draft they look who they just drafted. They got an edge rusher and two other linebackers. He's getting he's getting the second to third string bench. All right. Good point. They they went and got the the leader in the they got the tackle leader in the whole league last year, Raislin. Yes. But the thing that gives me the most hope for Trevor Lawrence in specific is not Christian Kirk. It's not Zay Jones. It's not Marvin Jones. And it's definitely not LaVisca Chanel. It's the fact that they got Doug Peterson as a head coach who took Carson yes. Wentz and had him as an MVP candidate on the way to a Super Bowl. Yeah, he won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. If he can win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles and, and and make Carson Wentz a great quarterback in the NFL during that time, he can do great things with Trevor Lawrence. And that's the hope. And and honestly, and, as as people probably think I'm delusional and delirious, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs for certain. But I'm saying if you're looking at the worst to first candidates in the whole NFL, how is it not Jacksonville? Potential. How is they have it not the best potential? Yeah, but Grayson, we're like you said earlier, we're way over time. We're I mean, over time, but um, but it's a good thing we're at the end of the show. Yeah, we're yeah, at the end of the show. So, 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 let me ask you real quick before we exit out here. Uh, did you ever have a, a, a? Did you think of a final loser for the draft? No, I, I really couldn't think of one, man. Um, or do you kind of agree with me and Tannehill there? I, I mean, Tannehill. I, I don't know if he's the loser of the draft because of Malik Willis per se. Um. I definitely agree with the statement you made of if he doesn't produce, I, if they have a letdown of a year this year that he could be. I think his time is about to end rather than continue. If that makes any sense. Well, and you also got to think something that we didn't bring up or I didn't bring up with Daniel. He lost his number one receiver in AJ Brown. He's yeah, gone. But they 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 got Traylon Burks. I think he's going to be able to fill the hole because uh, to be fair, AJ Brown he was a good player, but also he wasn't a groundbreaking player either. Yeah, um, good point. And I so I mean definitely hurts, but let's all let's not kid ourselves. That team runs through Derrick Henry, absolutely, and the defense, absolutely, yes, yes. So, but, all right. So since you don't have a third one, uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? I mean, my final thoughts. I'm going to stick with the homer here, and it's going to be Jacksonville. I mean, I'm seeing Trent Balky get criticized for not drafting a receiver in the draft. Um, look. I get it. I wanted a receiver. I, I, you know, I sent a pretty explicit uh, text message to you over the weekend about not getting Justin yeah, Ross. Um, but, yeah, you, you know, maybe, I mean, with the whole back situation that came out, I mean, he went undrafted. Everybody passed on him. 
Um, and then we went and signed the guy from Notre Dame. He was the, the team receiver, receiving leader for Notre Dame last year. So he might make yeah. an impact. Um, yeah. But again, I don't understand why everyone is saying this draft is a C for Jacksonville because of no. Re- I, I mean, I'm hearing people say, "Well, if they would have got a receiver, would it be an A plus draft?" Are you serious? That a a receiver is going to make a draft off go from a C to an A? I mean, the only way that's no. happening if they got Chris Olave or or Garrett Wilson, and they weren't trading that far up. Um, no, and 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 they weren't going to take him at number one. So I, I I'm tending to look at what the defense has been and that has been atrocious to what it looks like now. I haven't been this excited about a Jaguar defense probably since 2017. Because, yeah. think about it. Miles Jack, he was a good player, but it was time to move yeah. on, I think. I right. think, I mean, now you, look. this is your linebacking core right now. Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma, um, I'm blanking on his name, uh, um, the the guy they just got from Atlanta, the the you know the the league leader in tackles. Yeah, yeah. And that's your four three. Yeah. I, I, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and, I agree. And yeah. if you go to a three four, even better. You got Josh Allen or or Trayvon Walker. There you go. I, I like what they did in the draft. I think they deep. They had to go defensive heavy because you know what, Raceland is much they. I think when you look back on this draft, they made the statement of we spent over they spent the most free agency draft money and free agency money in history in the offseason. Yeah. And most of it was what what side of the football? The offensive side. They were like, We did our part in the offense. We're gonna have to build the defense in the draft. And I'm sorry, but uh if you don't think that was worth it in the draft, because I don't know about everybody out there in Jaguar land. I am sick and freaking tired of getting our ass kicked by Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, all the nonsense. I mean, yeah. If yeah. you don't, if 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 you guys don't believe me in Jaguar Land, then how about you go turn on the tape from the Houston game when they put up forty five on us in the opening game? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Mean, you and I watched that one, and you and you were pretty pissed. I mean, for Jesus crying out loud! Look at the freaking. Look at um, any game last year, right? Except for Buffalo, but like, just uh, yeah. Or I mean, that last Colts, or that last game of the season against the Colts. Well, that was more Carson Wentz decided not to show up. But you guys get my point. You guys get my point. The defense was among the worst the last three years. We had to change it. I'm so excited we did. Yeah. Uh, my final thought for the for the night is, um, no, I love it. I love it the fact that the Bears are doing. Um, the Bears brought in two undrafted Ohio State players into Mario McCall and Master Teague. Uh, they're they're given they're given um, Justin Fields guys that he's he's used to. Do I think they're going to make the roster? I don't know. I think Master Teague has a better chance of making the roster than what Demario McCall does, um, because Demario McCall he started out as as a running back, kind of flopped to receiver, played mainly special teams. So if he makes the roster, it'll probably be as a special teams guy. Obviously, being from Ohio State, you know, I hope these guys make the make the roster. Um, I think Master again. I think Master Jake has the best chance at starting, or maybe not starting, but making the roster. And if you get him in the system with Justin Fields, Fields is going to be able to connect with him a whole lot faster than if he was with a quarterback he didn't know. So I, I think that gives. 
Master Teague a little bit of an edge when it comes to making a roster. Again, Demario McCall, he played on the team with Fields, but again, not not a guy who was productive with Fields. So, obviously, I'm hoping Master Teague can get in there and make the make the roster. Med McCall too, but I'm hoping that eventually maybe we see Master Teague be a starter uh, in Chicago and really help out that offense a little bit. No, I agree. I, I Chicago, they're starting to kind of gear Justin Fields for a little bit of more success opportunities than they did last year. But you know the exciting thing is we're only right around the corner to actually see what this draft class can able, be able to produce. Um, yes. and it's only I mean OTAs will start next month. So um, I'm excited. I know you're excited, and I'm excited to get back with you next time, Raceland, on another episode of your favorite football podcast.